I think I have a really, really bad connection, so I'm going to try to reboot the switchboard and uh, get a little bit better clarity for today's show. So you'll hear some dead air, but don't go away. Uh, I'll be back right after I reboot the system. So please stand by. We've got a great show lined up for you today with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae. Stand by. Find yourself in danger when you're threatened by a stranger When it looks like you will take a licking <laughs> There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you Just call for Super Chicken Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show Brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer Author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. 
Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... You'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We have poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, PhD. We're going to be talking all about food safety and your eggs. Should be a great topic. Get that pen and paper ready. We'll bring her on here very, very shortly. A couple of reminders. Number one, um, we still have a awesome chicken coop contest going on right now over at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And uh, it's free to enter. It's very simple to enter, and it's called the Start Me Up Chicken Coop Contest. It's a great starter coop from Urban Coop Company, and um, they've got nine days left. That's it, nine days before this contest ends. And, again, you can enter by going to www.chickenwhisperermagazine.com, and then uh, you'll see on that page when it pops up uh, the link to 
the uh, poop contest, and you can enter that. And uh, we do have winners, actually. I still have some pictures to post of uh, our last contest winner. And uh, she sent me over some pictures of her uh, assembling that poop and putting it in her backyard. So uh, I still have to do that. But we do have real winners of these awesome poop contests. So we've got that going on. Number two, uh, this afternoon, I guess this evening, at 7 p.m., we will be broadcasting the second. We did one back in February, the second for this year. Live educational webinar, absolutely free, uh, in cooperation with the CDC in Atlanta and uh, the USDA uh, APHIS program. Uh, yours truly will be a host. Uh, Dr. Megan Nichols from the CDC will be a host, and Dr. Joanna Quinn with USDA APHIS will be a host. And it'll be about an hour-long uh, webinar. It is the first time it'll be in the evening uh, due to popular demand. Everybody, you know, we normally had them around 2 p.m. And people were. And so uh, it was kind of difficult, even though it is archived for the whole year. Um, they, they like to tune in live, which I can't blame them. So tonight, 7 p.m., uh, will be the live webinar broadcast. At the same time the webinar is going on, there will be a live Twitter chat. So you can get on Twitter. Uh, tonight, starting at 7 p.m., use hashtag Chicken Chat 2015. Uh, that's hashtag Chicken Chat 2015. And you can uh, follow along with, with the Twitter chat that's going on. You can uh, ask questions to USDA uh, veterinarians uh, about any questions you may have and get real answers from real experts. Um, and uh, there's nothing better than fact-based, science-based, study-based information when dealing with the healthier flock. And so that's tonight. You can register for this free. There's still time to register. Uh, it's www. Well, actually, I don't even have to put that. I believe it's just healthybirdswebinar.com. Uh, if you want to put the www in front of it, I think it works both ways. But uh, birds with an S, healthybirdswebinar.com. I believe that takes you over to the registration page. You can register for free. Then you'll get an email uh, with a link to join at 7 along with the password that you'll need to actually join. So make sure you jot down that password. I'm not sure if this is totally correct, but I think it's chickens with a capital C. Uh, I think you have to use that uh, capital C. Now, again, uh, when you register, you'll get an email telling you the password. Make special note of that because you will need it tonight at 7 p.m. when you join. Space is limited. There's only so many seats available for a live webinar, uh, but there are some seats left. If you'd like to join us tonight, it's going to talk a little bit about uh, get preparing your flock for fall and winter, obviously a good bit about salmonella, uh, biosecurity, um, steps to keep basically you, your family, your friends, your flock healthy from disease um, throughout the year. So I think it's going to be a great broadcast. That's tonight at 7 p.m. And then finally, we are starting to uh, work on our fall tour, book and speaking tour. It looks like the route, anyway, goes from Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, and North Carolina. Um, it looks like right now we'll probably have events. Uh, that's the path, or that's the route. It uh, looks like uh, events in uh, Alabama um, coming through Tennessee. I don't haven't seen any in Tennessee yet. Uh, several in Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, and, of course, North Carolina. Ranking that loop. That'll be for our fall tour this year. And there has been, because we have so many fans up in Michigan and, of course, Wisconsin and in that area, especially Michigan. I always hear they're, they're so vocal. What about Michigan? So uh, uh, rumor has it, nothing confirmed yet, still very early, but rumor has it that we may be in the spring tour of 2016 getting the Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, maybe Iowa, 
um, Illinois, up, up in that area of the country with our book and speaking tour. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to that and getting up uh, in that area, but not too early in spring because you guys still get a bunch of snow up there in March. And we're looking at maybe launching this the second week in March. Yeah, it still may be very snowy up there. Yeah, we got the big truck. Yeah, we got four-wheel drive. Yeah, we got the winch on the front, but but uh, we're towing a 36-foot camper. That's never fun in the snow, so uh, we'll see. But but that's, that's uh, rumor has it, so uh, it'll be great to get up into that area and see uh, a lot of our fans up in that area that have requested that for a very, very long time. All right, let's get on with uh, today's broadcast, again, with Dr. Bridget McCray, poultry scientist and professor at Delaware State University, and um, we're talking about food safety and your backyard eggs. So let's go ahead and give her a big chicken whisper. Welcome, Dr. Welcome, Dr. McCray. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy. How's it going? I'm doing good. I posted on that Facebook page. I have no idea if this is kind of where today's show is going to uh, lead us, but I'm sure we'll have plenty of time uh, to uh, to do this. But I want to uh, kind of post it. I said uh, just, just some questions for people to ask themselves, like, um, do you sell your eggs? Do you give away your eggs? Do you medicate your flock with any medications? Do you reuse egg cartons? And do you know your state's requirements for any of the above? Um, and because it all goes in part of, you know, uh, it's one thing if you just do whatever you want to do and you're the only one eating your eggs. Hey, knock yourself out. But if you're selling, giving them away, uh, farmer's markets, things like that, you may want to be uh, wary or aware anyway of, of your state's laws and regulations uh, because the last thing you want to do is have someone get uh, possibly sick from eating one of your eggs from your backyard uh, and then you're sitting there going, oh, wait a minute, I never knew I had to wash my eggs or not use reuse cartons or uh, you mean yeah. I can't warm them and, and well, I can't warm them and then, and then sell the eggs at the market the next day and you know, that type of thing. And then next thing you know, you have no house, you have no car, your insurance company is dropping you because they just had to pay a big, it's just, it's, it's, so just the information, I think it's very valuable for people to know, especially uh, if they're giving away or selling or, uh, their eggs from their backyard. Or even I don't if know they're if bartering their eggs. Bartering, yeah. Hey, use their eggs for bartering. <laughs> yep. A dozen eggs for a homemade chocolate pie. Right, exactly. Including yourself and family. Right. Um, whenever you give your eggs away or you barter with your eggs, you don't, you know, if you are medicating your chickens, one of the things to consider is what if the person who eats the eggs doesn't do a good job of cooking it or has an allergy? to an antibiotic that might end up in the eggs. That's not something you can plan for usually or you even think to plan for. So you just kind of want to be in the situation of let's not get ourselves into um, those circumstances and, and let's do the best for our, our flock and for those who might eat the eggs. So we're going to talk a little bit about food safety and your flock's eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a sidetrack here, Andy, I put on the Center sure. for Small Flock Research and Innovation webpage, something that I think Kalmbach will like. Mm-hmm. Um, I took some photographs at the Delaware State Fair this year at the poultry show. The official feed provider was Kalmbach Feeds. Awesome. So thank you, Kalmbach, and thank you, T.G. Adams and Sons of Bridgeville, Delaware, for that donation. They, they gave us um, laying hen feed. 
And that's what we saw. Um, Kalmbach is coming out strong in this region. <laughs> so I put that picture up there on the Facebook page for Center for Small Flock Research and Innovation. And I'm feeding Kalmbach feeds right now, and i got to say the chickens are great with it. They're not wasting a lot of it, and, um, you know, they're, they're thrilled with it. So I'm tickled pink. I just wish it came in smaller bags because I have a, I have, you know, two birds. And, well, you know, a 25-pound a bag, I'd probably go through that without wasting the rest because, you know, after about 45 days, the vitamins are, you know, they start to to degrade. And, yeah, I, I don't want to yeah. waste As, half a bag. Uh, a lot of my long-time fans and listeners know that over the many years I've been doing this, approaching a decade, professionally anyway, um, that I've been associated with a lot of different feed manufacturers and companies. And um, I, I did have a choice this year of who was my premier sponsor. I actually had three big boys, big corporations that were, um, um, I guess, what chasing me down to try to represent them. And um, I, I was, uh, after touring their facility, I was floored um, at, at, based on some of the other facilities I had toured uh, in, in the past decade with different sponsors. Um, I was just amazed at everything that goes into their feed, uh, the production, the, the safety measures. The, it, I was, uh, it was just amazing to me. Again, only being able to compare what I've seen in the past, the conditions of other uh, um, mills and plants was just uh, absolutely uh, amazed at, at that. So uh, I'm very pleased. And they have such an amazing variety. I mean, you can get layer pellets. Uh, I mean, they'll, they'll 16% and 17%. If you like that extra uh, percent of protein, you can get 16%. Or, hey, there's 17%. They do have an organic line now. Um, their their um, pellets and uh, and um, uh, crumble, um, all natural, meaning no antibiotics and no animal byproducts, no antibiotics used in the production of that. Then they have, of course, the all organic. If people are interested in that, it comes in a 40-pound bag. And they actually, this summer, it may already be out or just about out, uh, a uh, non-GMO feed. And so to make clear on that, it is a total feed that is non-GMO, but it's not organic. So it may be that the price range people want to afford can just be non-GMO, but not necessarily USDA certified organic. So just tons of options for people based on uh, what they want to feed their flocks. So I'm, I'm tickled to death to be associated with them. And, it's, and the tours have been amazing um, and uh, looking forward to it this fall as well. So thanks for mentioning that. Sorry about coughing into the phone there, Andy. But I do want to point out, do your listeners realize that that GMO um, corn or soybeans, that doesn't end up in the meat or the eggs? Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why you and I both have talked about doing that study we've talked about for, for several years, to, to see the difference. Uh, when in the end product, I'm not talking organic. I'm talking GMO. Just non-GMO, right? I mean, that work has been done already, and you know, it's been proven that you know the that which is put into the corn to make it resistant or resistant to insects or whatever that gets fully digested by the chicken, and it does not end up in the meat or the eggs. 
Now, I will think but that... that like I've said so many times, consumer perception is everything. And that seems right. to be the trend right now is non-GMO. It, it, is a, it is an amazing trend. And I think just having that large sticker on that bag that says non-GMO attracts so many people. And, you know, I'm not by any means, never have claimed to be an expert in organics or GMO. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is, because I don't know, is just from what I see, but the perception is that apparently so many countries has banned this practice. I mean, yeah. and so you're like, okay, what do they see that we don't see? What, how are their scientists different than our scientists when they ban this practice of using anything Monsanto or GMO? And, and then, you know, who in their everyday lives has time to truly go and do the research, and then you're going to understand the research. So it's just, it's kind of like our elections. Everything, uh, if the election is you won. You can be or, up on all topics all the time. Yeah. You have a life you, to live. The, <laughs> elections now are basically 140 characters of how we elect our president, it seems like, you know, and whatever's put on Twitter or Facebook, and that 140 characters is, is how we uh, make decisions about uh, our lives. So it's, it's you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not the expert to say one way or the other, but they, I do know that whatever you want to feed your chickens, <laughs> Kambank has a, a product for you, um, you which is which is impressive, so uh, cool. So, yeah, egg, egg safety, food safety, very important. A lot of us uh, just assume um, that because the chickens are in our backyard, we have a tiny little coop that our eggs are going to be uh, absolutely the best on the planet. So I fully realize that some of the things I'm going to talk about people have heard over and over again, and some of the things I'm going to talk about are not going to make me very popular, but I'd rather you know the information so that you can make good decisions on behalf of your, your flock. And if you're going to make a decision that you consider or is considered high risk, you should know what the risks are. I can um, tell you right now, Dr. McClay, based on what you just said, that's why we consistent. That's why we consistently have you on. That's why we consistently have Peter Brown on, uh, top uh, poultry scientists from from around the country. And I've made the decision quite a long time ago that it's about facts, not fans. It, it, even if I have a smaller fan base that are truly wanting to know fact-based science, based study-based information versus hearsay, rumor, and information that may or may not harm their chickens or even delay care for their chickens, blah blah blah. Um, that that's fine with with me. Um, it's about facts, not fans, and and it's like kind of like here's the information. Do with it what you wish. It's out of my hand. Right. My job is done. My job is done now that I've gotten you this information. Now you can choose to do with it what you wish. That's none of my business. But at least I can sleep but well good at night, uh, knowing uh, you know Lily and Caleb are proud of Daddy for doing the right thing and, and and striving to make sure the information we put out is true, factual, science-based information that's going to be good for their flock, then they can choose what to do with it. So, um, yeah, I wanted to comment on that since you said some of this stuff is not going to be popular um, for for a lot of folks. But here's the information, and then it's kind of like the biosecurity, Doc. Um, I'll, I'll cover a lot of things people can do in my workshops about biosecurity. Can them this huge uh, spiral notebook about things they can implement, but I try to keep it real. I, I mean, I think you and I both know that the the um, uh, average, say, 
stereotype here for a minute. The average soccer mom in suburbia Atlanta is not going to hose off her tires and wheel wells after coming back from the feed store. It's not going to happen. Let's be realistic. We can suggest maybe, but, you know, if you make a living doing this, if you sell your birds, if you have an expensive breeder flock and you sell and you breed and you're a top breeder, that may be something you want to do. But the soccer mom in suburbia is not going to do that when she comes back from the feed store with her three kids in the back and her groceries and everything. It's not. Let's, let's be realistic. In most cases, it's not going to happen. But she can have a bottle of hand sanitizer by her coop. She can have designated boots, or she can have a foot bath. Those are some things that she, realistically she can do and continue to do without too much effort. But um, so, so again, that's a perfect example. We'll give you all this information. You can choose. Uh, you can choose what you feel you can do. Um, realistically and on a regular basis. It makes no sense to say, I'm going to get on board with this. I'm going to do all of this every single day, and then all of a sudden it burns you out and you don't do any of it versus right. taking, a, taking a couple of things, saying, I can do the hand sanitizer. I can do the foot bath. Or, no, you're not a foot bath. I can do the designated boots and clothes in my backyard, and I'll start there. Those, those uh, are all steps in uh, helping me have a safety, a safe lock and a safe family. Um, so I'll start with that. And then uh, it's, it's, it's better than not doing it. So I try to, again, even though I give the information out, still try to keep it real for folks and, and so they can understand that. So, yeah, so, so well, it may not be popular. <laughs> so with your soccer mom in suburbia, maybe she doesn't need to pull her, her car up right next to the coop. If you parked far away from your coop and never pulled mm-hmm. your car up right next to the coop, then you might mm-hmm. not have to be concerned about washing off those tires. You know, that's what some companies do is they have designated parking areas for people who don't go yeah. through, um, you know, wheel well baths and that sort of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. But then you're left with the choice. Okay, what if your flock does come become sick? What did you do that you – what did you do that caused them to become sick? What might you have to change? So it's, it's always an evolving process with livestock – and animals, if if you kept taking your dog to a kennel and he kept coming down with kennel cough every time after that kennel, well, then don't go back to that kennel um, when you're housing your dog on vacation. You might move move to a different kennel. So you might have to, you know, think about different things that you'll change over time. What can you do tomorrow? What can you do in a week's time? What can you do when when money permits in a month or a month and a half's time? Those are all questions that I want people to think about. But let's go to the eggs. When you have chickens laying eggs in your flock, I've got two groups of people. I've got the group of people that says the bloom is holy and cannot be touched and never wash an egg ever, ever, ever. And I've got the other group that says wash everything. So what's the story there, Dr. McCray? Well, um, well, the bloom is not some sort of magical thing that protects the egg 100%. Um, the bloom is just the last layer on the outside of an egg, or it's also called the cuticle. And what it does is it partially blocks the pores in an eggshell so that um, if you were going to hatch an egg, you might want to keep that bloom intact because it will slowly break down and allow air exchange through the pores for the developing embryo. But if you're going to eat an egg, um, number one, if you're not going to wash it, I would say definitely refrigerate your eggs. Um, Any pathogens or bacteria 
that could be on the outside of the egg could be inhibited just by the low temperatures of your refrigerator. Now, my mom mm-hmm. likes washed eggs. So as soon as eggs come in um, from her flock, then she wants them washed. And she will sit there and wash them. And clearly, any egg that is visibly dirty with fecal material should be washed. Um, cuticle or not. Um, if the egg mm-hmm. shows stains or adhering foreign material, such as dirt, feces, um, that egg should be washed. So you do need to look at your eggs after you collect them. Once you bring them into the house and as you transfer them to, like, say, an egg carton, you need to look at each egg, top, bottom, all the way around the sides, and see if it needs washing. And what I tell people is, you know, there's lots of egg washing kits out there, and they're super cool, and they appear to be, you know, designed just for you, for someone quick on the go. But usually it means immersion in water, and you really should not let an egg sit in water. If you're going to wash them very quickly, um, you know, one batch, great. Change out your egg solution after that. Um, But your, I like just, Plain old kitchen soap and warm running water. That's as Mm -hmm. simple as it gets. Now, for those folks in California who have water shortage, (laughs) that could be challenging. Um, So you might want to just um, set aside some water and consider that uh, water that you, you use in the garden later on, perhaps, or you use for your compost pile to make sure that the moisture level stays up in the compost pile. Um, so your eggs should be washed as soon as you bring them in the house. Now, you don't need to wash the eggs that you get from the grocery store. Those have already been washed. Um, Those pores in those eggs from the grocery store have also been blocked again after the washing. How do they do it? A tiny bit of mineral oil wiped over the surface of the egg. They spray it on there. They wipe it all over, all over the surface of the egg. And um, I remember, Andy, the first time I told um, uh, competitor, egg competitors about this, they dipped their eggs in mineral oil, put it back in the carton, and pretty much the carton was all mushy by the end of it. And mm-hmm. I said, look, yeah. you just use a tiny bit on a cotton ball and wipe it over the egg. <laughs> You don't dip it in the egg so that it's dull, drippy, and yucky, and they're like, oh, well, this was faster. Awesome. (laughs) Great. Thanks. Okay. You're not going to (laughs) win because they wanted to um, make sure that the the eggs had uniform appearance, and that's one way to do that. But if you don't want to do that, you don't have to. But um, for those people who like to decorate eggs, Um, just know that the grocery store eggs do have mineral oil on them, and if you're trying to do, like, egg dyeing, you should wash those eggs first so that your color actually Mm -hmm. attaches to the egg. Um, So your chickens in your small backyard flock probably aren't tested regularly for anything. Probably not tested for salmonella, not tested for any other pathogens. So... For people to say my eggs are healthier, I kind of go, well, what do you test them for? And there's usually long silence. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, at least you know the eggs at the grocery store have been tested regularly and rigorously um, and that you know you're not going to end up with something that could make you sick. So when you give your eggs away... I will be devil's advocate. I will definitely be that because I know the thousands of listeners listening right this second are saying, now in 2010, 500 million eggs were recalled for this. And they're thinking, and I'm still healthy eating my backyard eggs. So I will be devil's devil's advocate and, and throw that out to you. I guess there's always... Uh, you know, foodborne illness, we, we see a lot of it out there, whether it be cilantro right now or spinach or a hamburger or peanut butter and things like that. So what, so, what that is in the in the commercial systems, what they do is they, they do their tests, but they continue to package and distribute their products, mm-hmm, assuming mm-hmm. it's all going to be fine, okay? And most of the time it is fine. But when they do come back with a positive, then they have to do recalls. Mm-hmm. And they have to recall everything back from their distribution system, everything that's been distributed. Some of it may have already reached the shelves, some of it may not, but that's why we have systems for recall. And that's why this is developed. And I will um, point this out as well. The owner and the owner, owner's son, apparently, you can look this up, I guess you can quote-unquote Google it, the owner and the owner's son associated with that outbreak were apparently convicted and sentenced to jail time and huge fines. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, and this is probably a really bad association. Um, I guess you can't, we've seen it so often, so I'm going to use this scenario. Uh, you can't really stop somebody vicious and evil from going in and, and, and like we just saw yesterday, shoot uh, a, a movie theater. Uh, if, if somebody doesn't care, you know, these these folks were in charge of this this egg farm that were producing these all these eggs, and um, they they were fined and convicted and found guilty, and I believe even got jail time. So uh, again, you've had some bad apples that were responsible for that, versus I guess an overview of all the egg producers in, in the country that. Um, you assume truly care. Well, it seems like these two folks just didn't care anything about And the, I'm going to point out, thank goodness there was somebody who was trained and on point working in the lab when those samples came through because they were able to yep. identify problem organisms. So if, if you didn't have well-trained individual scientists who knew what to look for, knew how to do the sampling correctly, knew how to process those samples, um, you know, we would probably have many, many more sick people out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so for your your chicken's eggs, you just want to make sure that you're not doing things in how you manage your birds to make them sick because chickens can get sick, particularly from salmonella, a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Either their mama gave it to them before they even hatched out of their egg, and that's vertical transmission. That means the breeder flock was sick. Mm-hmm. That's what you're seeing with um, that vertical transmission is what you're seeing with um, some of those those hatchery eggs, too. So the chick can hatch out already infected. And if that chick is a female and you raise her up and she starts to lay eggs, she could potentially lay eggs that are positive. So that's why we we ask people to check and see if they're getting chicks from NPIP approved hatcheries because 
that that usually means that you're going to get chicks that are healthier and breeder flocks that are tested. So the other way your chickens can get sick is if you're managing them in some way where they're becoming infected. That means the chick came to you healthy, free mm-hmm. of salmonella. You did something in the way that you were managing it that caused it to turn positive. So whether you brought in new chickens that were carrying the organism, or maybe you let your chickens forage underneath bird feeders and wild birds were carrying it, or um, you were just uh, letting rodents run havoc in your coop, that's another way that they could turn positive is if the rodents carry salmonella. Um, there's lots of different ways that that you could turn positive. So that's why you always hear me talking about food safety, biosecurity, and um, things that you do to keep your flock healthy. Because I realize the majority of your listeners are not going to test, and they're not going to know. And if they want peace of mind, and they they want to make sure, like, maybe they give some of their eggs to a neighbor, an elderly neighbor. Well, elderly people are far more susceptible to pathogens than, say, a healthy person from, say, age 20 to 50 mm-hmm. or 55. Um, somebody who's immunocompromised, someone who's who's maybe had a an organ transplant or is on chemotherapy, they're far more susceptible, as are infants and and young people. So when you have a young person whose immune system is challenged with bacteria that a normal adult could fight off, well, you know, maybe you don't let your kids eat cookie dough from the eggs, um, from from cookie dough that came from eggs from your flock. Um, What is that? Lick lick the, uh, lick the, um, lick the spoon. Yes. Or the beater uh, thing, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. With the the beater from making the cake batter, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know, as a kid, I got sick plenty of times. Uh, it twenty four hour flu, uh, stomach bug, something like that. And you know, it's how much of a pest was I to my mom when I wanted to lick the beaters? Were those beaters using you know raw eggs as she did in cookie dough batter? Is that what made me sick? Could be. Could be. So, and let me tell you, I had 24 hour flu plenty as a kid. Um, so and there's an adult. Those- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And there's an adult when you were in the lab. <laughs> well, yes, yes. A few other times, yes. So, those are, those are things for you to consider um, in managing your birds. You know, if if this is a concern to you, take action. And your actions are, well, take a hard look at your biosecurity and management methods and and um, make some tough decisions. Your flock will only benefit from it and your family too. Uh, the other thing is, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, when you get your eggs inside the house, um, there's a couple other ways you can make yourself sick, and that's cross-contamination in the kitchen. So if you crack an egg into the fry pan and a little bit of it dribbles out onto the counter or you set those eggshells down on the counter and maybe some 
egg contents dribble out onto the counter, and then maybe you chop up, I don't know, salad greens right after it. That would be pretty risky behavior. You would want to clean up your counter after setting your eggs down on it, um, especially if you're not washing your eggs and you're setting your egg basket down on the counter and um, then loading them up in a uh, in an egg carton for storage in the refrigerator. Um, I would say anywhere that you come in contact with unwashed eggs or eggs in general that have been broken open and, and maybe shell or contents are on your counter, you want to wash that up before you do anything else on that counter space. And that's just good common sense. And most people are like, oh, I already do that. But, you know, think about that egg basket that you set down on the counter. Did you wash up over there too? Did that carton get set down or did that egg basket get set down in the coop at all? by any chance? Um, could it be carrying something on it? That's a piece of equipment that people often forget to wash on a weekly basis. They get it when it comes to washing your feeders and your waters, but the egg basket needs to be washed too. So plain and simple. One of, the, one of the other things you need to consider is refrigeration and I get a lot of people oh they don't wash or they don't wash eggs they don't refrigerate eggs in Europe well no but their shelf life is pretty pretty short um, and and um, the commercial egg producers in Europe it's mandatory they vaccinate for salmonella so so right, I, it's, I, it's a completely it's, different it's, system it's 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 aggravating people are just again that hundred and forty character the way we rule the world now is that well they don't do that in Europe, but they don't know or just don't bother to put in there. But look at the regulations they have in place of how long that egg stays out, number one. Number two, uh these eggs are are actually vaccinated for salmonella. We don't do that here. Um so there's more than just oh, they just don't do it. Uh, there's more to the story than just that. Right. So I guess mm -hmm. when you get those questions that's when you need to shoot back to them. Well, why don't they? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the story behind that? What's the bigger story behind that? I'll bet you you get real popular throwing that out there, Andy. Ha ha ha. So refrigerating your eggs is also a good move. Uh, keep in mind how the eggs are going to be handled after you give them to someone. Um, some people, um, they may not refrigerate their eggs, and you just may want to give them a quick little education and say, you know, I don't test my flock for anything, so it might be a good idea for you to put these in the middle of your fridge. And and why do I say the middle of the refrigerator? Well, refrigerators, if you put the eggs too close to the top and you've got it really cranked down, you may get some frozen eggs. But if you put eggs in the middle of the refrigerator on a shelf, not on the door, then usually they'll do just fine and they'll last longer. They won't freeze on you. And uh, just a quick aside, if you try to hard cook fresh eggs, you will find them hard to peel. If you keep eggs in the refrigerator for a couple of weeks, <laughs> you will find them much easier to peel. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're not somebody who eats eggs every day, you know, Craig creme brulee for dessert every night, and you're not going through eggs very quickly, um, you might find yourself... Uh, in a situation where you have good eggs that are candidates for hard cooking. Um, but keep them in the refriger refrigerator while you make that wait. If you leave an egg on the counter, 
out at room temperature, they'll age more in one day than they will in a week in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that that's the best way to make your eggs age faster for <laughs> cooking your eggs. Um, but that would be a cool science fair experiment for one of your um, your homeschool kids. Is have them keep a dozen eggs in the refrigerator for two weeks, hard cook them and see how easy it is to peel, and then have them keep a dozen eggs two days <clears throat> or three days out on the kitchen counter, have them hard cook them and see how easy it is to peel. And that would be a way cool, easy easy project for uh, a young person. Of course, they'll have to explain why you should refrigerate your eggs and food safety and all that good stuff. Um, But back to the refrigeration. Um, One of the things that I recommend is that you never refrigerate a dirty egg. You should wash it ahead of time. Another thing to consider is, and this is often a, a problem in young flocks, floor eggs. Sometimes chickens do not figure out that you really want them to lay those eggs up in the nest boxes. And so they lay eggs on the floor or they lay eggs outside wherever they were when they decided to stop and just push that egg out. Um, So you want to make sure that the environment in which those eggs could be laid, especially in the beginning, is very clean. Clean shavings, um, clean nest boxes, uh, and you know anything that's laid in in clean surroundings I would not hesitate to pick up but if you are using like say a deep litter method um and they lay it outside in the deep litter um and it's uh dirty on the outside I might not choose to eat that egg especially if I didn't find it for a couple of days any eggs that are laid and or are hidden by the hens or laid outside in a place and you're not sure if that egg was laid that day, it's not worth the tummy pain that you are likely to receive if you should fail to cook that egg properly and eat it. And if you have a rooster and you've got hot summer days, there could be some embryo growth in that egg. And, you know, if you give that to somebody and they crack it open, they may never want to get eggs from you again. (laughs) There goes your bartering chip. So I want your listeners to kind of consider (laughs) that. Um, And we've had some pretty hot days. One of the last barterings I did um, that comes to mind was not eggs, but uh, we had a beautiful just about one acre garden uh, behind the house. And uh, I guess this was two years ago. And um, uh, we had a a lady, she was actually on the city council that was famous for the most part locally for her uh, chocolate pies. And so uh, she was interested in getting some of the uh, uh, peas uh, from the garden. I forget. We had zipper peas, black eyed peas, and maybe purple holes. I can't remember. And uh, so I, I gathered up, I guess it was about a five-gallon bucket worth of um, various peas from the garden and took it to her, and uh, we traded uh, a homemade chocolate pie <laughs> for some peas out of the garden. And I actually, in the past, have traded, um, uh, let me think what it was. Uh, it was 
I want to be specific. I'm trying to think what it's a squash. Uh, a five gallon bucket of yellow crooked neck squash for some tractor repairs, actually. Um, <laughs> when the tractor was having some electrical issues, and I, and I bartered for that, uh, a five gallon bucket of crooked neck squash for some tractor repair. And actually, I think we traded some. I, I wasn't involved in this trade. My farm helper was, but he ended up trading uh, a mess of, uh, I don't know if it was collard greens or turnip greens for um, some, a deer shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's a big and people ride down the road. So, um, yeah, but uh, I'm trying to think the last barter I did with eggs, and I just can't, I can't enter my mind. But um, you're right. A lot of people barter. Or, uh, some people who keep chickens under the radar use those eggs <laughs> as a hush, hush kind of uh, bribe to say, I'll give you some eggs if you don't tell on me. <laughs> right. Like right now, I'm bartering, well, not really bartering, um, some goat's milk for one of the beautiful shawls that I make. And um, so that, you know, for a short period of time. Uh, so th- it happens. And, you know, I, one other time I bartered um, one of my, my beautiful um, mm. washi eggs for... Um, some garden goods from a neighbor because her garden was doing really well and mine had just been taken over by weeds. And I got, gosh, it had to have been two gallon-sized Ziploc bags full of strawberries, frozen strawberries, and it was fabulous. <laughs> so, um, you know, it 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 occurs, and, and I just want your listeners to be aware that there are things that you can do to make sure that if you're going to barter, if you're going to trade, if you're going to share with neighbors, consider their health um, and consider what you're doing uh, with your eggs. You know, everybody enjoys, you know, fresh eggs. They like to try different different foods and different recipe preparations. But, gosh, if you made somebody sick because of something that you gave them and maybe they didn't cook it all the way through because they like their yolks runny instead of, you know, cooked all the way through. Well, geez. (sighs) You'd feel awfully bad if that cost them a trip to the hospital. And that's Mm -hmm. what can happen. We know that these organisms are capable of this. Um, Of course, that wasn't a problem when I traded my shawl or my, my, decorated hand decorated egg but um <laughs> clearly that's not going to be an issue but see one of my goals this before summer is over andy is to make creme brulee i mm-hmm. decided i wasn't going to be afraid of making creme brulee anymore and i was going to tackle it this year well that's you know that's that's cream which is usually pasteurized and then Egg yolks, which aren't usually pasteurized if you're getting it from your own flock, um, about six to eight eggs and, you know, a cooking technique that is immersion into into uh, a water bath. And you want to make sure that if you serve that at a dinner party and you proudly exclaim, hey, these are from my own flock, you don't want anybody the next day to go, ugh. We're never going back to so-and-so's house. I think something they served us made us sick, and and mm-hmm. you don't want to give them eggs later on, and, and they'll go, that's okay, I'm going to pass, because they got sick. Um, 
So those are some of the things I want your listeners to consider very seriously. And by the way, listeners, if you have any really good recipes for creme brulee out there, let me know. And um, and on the last note, Andy, <clears throat> back onto the topic of those those summertime eggs that maybe you didn't get to before um, before you went to work or the hen laid it after you already collected in the morning. And in some parts of this country, it gets really hot during the day. And if you've got a rooster, like I said, there could be embryo growth in there. Now, it's not so much a food safety concern as it is consumer shock at uh, cracking open an egg that otherwise you would have been able to, to use for bartering. I found an old World War I poster, Andy, that showed what happens in an egg during, um, as it sits out. If you let it sit out for 12 hours for a day, for two days, for three days, how much embryo growth you get. And, you know, that wouldn't be as much of a problem if you didn't have a rooster. And so the message on that poster was, get rid of your rooster, you don't need them. And at the top of the poster, it showed a a farmer chasing a rooster out of the chicken coop, and in his hand, he had a mason jar, and it said, can him. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought I'd share that with with your listeners, because it's pretty darn significant how much loss you can get if you cannot pick up those eggs for one reason or another in a timely manner. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, otherwise those eggs you know, could be a little more dangerous. And some of those coops, Andy, can get to way over 100 degrees. I've got a colleague of mine, and we're working together on this, and it's kind of a challenge out there to, the, to your listeners. He put a little temperature sensor out in a one of those tiny little coops. He put mm-hmm. it yeah. out in the out in the run area. And uh on one of those super hot days he got over a hundred and thirty five degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that your small flocks are doing better than commercial industry where those birds are kept at a perfect seventy five degree Fahrenheit? If you can't maintain that for your birds, then they're suffering. So get a fan out there, get that coop cooled down, and it always it always amazes me. Access to shade. Yeah, definitely. In this this time, it amazes me the number. Uh, well, because we know heat is far more detrimental to chickens than the cold ever will be. Um, but it's amazing to see the numbers every year that will heat their coop dangerously versus literally put an air conditioner in that coop with the same drop cord they're using for the heater. And and if you if you mention to most folks, oh, put an air conditioner in your coop, they look at you like you're an idiot, but yet they don't even think twice about putting a heat lamp in the coop that's going to burn it down, possibly burn it down, right. and kill all your chickens. So it's it's interesting to see that they... they or insulate oh, my... the roof. Just insulate <laughs> the roof. Please. Yeah, the roof. I'm sure your chickens would appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I'm going to go to a quick uh, commercial break. When we come back, uh, we can wrap this up, and I've got a few questions to to ask you. Okay. So uh, 
but don't don't go away. We're talking with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, PhD. We're talking about uh, food safety and your eggs, and there'll be uh, more to come right after this short break. So stay with us. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, But picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 
100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com. And try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feeds. I'll be starting the Kalmbach Feeds Chicken Whisperer Fall Tour here in uh, about six weeks. Uh, looking forward to coming to a feed store near you. Our guest today, of course, is poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D. from Delaware State University, and we're talking about food safety and your eggs, and um, a couple of things uh, I wanted to ask, and, and I may have just missed it a little earlier, about the uh, recommendation of not reusing egg cartons. I know that neighbors will bring over egg cartons. Oh, I know you have eggs here. It's not old egg cartons, or, you know, uh, sometimes people say, if you bring your egg cartons back, I'll sell them to you for a quarter less, and my understanding, that's not really a good um, recommended practice. No, because you don't know how those egg cartons were stored. Um, I remember one time somebody gave me a bunch of egg cartons and the top few of them looked good, but there had been a mouse in the middle Mm. of like the rest of the stack and there were mouse droppings and I I just threw the rest of them away, even the ones that didn't have mouse droppings in them because they probably had a mouse running across them at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that was that was a non-starter for me. <laughs> that was just gross. And we know because uh, you've you've shared many a times on the show and written articles about it, the risks of having rodents in the backyard, uh, in and around your coop, in and around your feed source, uh, the many diseases they can carry, both tracking it on their feet and on their fur um, and their hair, and uh, salmonella being one of those. Somebody the other day when I posted your article about rodent control in and around the coop, uh, they questioned, like, they literally questioned, well, I need to see scientific documentation that mice and rodents can carry salmonella. You know, they, they don't believe it. I'm like, okay, fine, I don't care what you believe or not. But and so I, I referred to them to your article. I referred to them actually so they could contact you directly. Uh, I said, uh, here's a podcast we've heard, and we're blue in the face um, about the risks. And nothing good 
can come from having mice and rodents. That's been from, like, way back. <laughs> you know, I just, you just don't know where these people are coming from. Um, and so uh, I was like, okay. So, so again, um, it, it, um, it's an uphill battle because somebody, it seems like, golly, once a month, twice a month, maybe even more, people laugh, giggle, smile, encourage their backyard chickens from gobbling up these mouse that they find in and around their coop. Mm-hmm. Oh, I turned over something in the coop, and all these little baby mice ran out, and my chickens were eating them, and it was so funny, and I was laughing, and uh, yeah, I'm grossed out. This is World War Three, and it has mm-hmm. just begun, and it is me against these mice, and if you see one, there are more, and they reproduce like you've shared with us, like, uh, uh, like nothing else, and uh, the diseases they can carry. Oh, but chickens are omnivores, and they're going to eat meat like mice. Okay, so we laugh and encourage it. Um, that's, that's, again, here's the information. Take with it what you, you wish. Um, the other day I posted something about uh, the risks and dangers of attracting wild birds to uh, your backyard flock. And, and again, somebody said... Um, said well, you were a party just, pooper, huh, Andy? Yeah, I'm a party pooper because I'm spreading <laughs> factual scientific information. Um, you know, that, that one person commented, and I have no problems with this. It, you know, this is your decision. Here's the information. Uh, she said, well, I just assume get rid of my chickens and get rid of my wild backyard birds. And that's fine. That's your choice to get rid of your chickens if you choose to like your backyard birds better. I have no problems with that. But here's the risks that you're taking by doing so, um, by attracting them with bird baths and, and the science is there to, based on the diseases that are found in bird baths and under bird, under bird feeders. So there, here's and information. And responsibilities my, with bird baths and bird feeders and, and bird houses. Mm-hmm. They can get loaded up with diseases too, so you have to clean those periodically as mm-hmm. well. A lot of people don't yep. realize that that's a responsibility too. The um, other thing regarding today's topic uh, was the importance of, we've had an article about this in Chicken Whisperer magazine. I'm trying to think which uh, which issue it was, um, and you've shared with it, but it is, if uh, which I posted on the Facebook page. Um, do you or have you uh, medicate your chickens with, with anything, whether it be wormer or an antibiotic, like you said earlier, if this person has a uh, with drug residues in the eggs, this person has a high sensitivity to a penicillin or uh, an antibiotic or even that particular wormer. Somebody said, "Yeah, but the uh, wazine of that, that that that's actually people. That's a human medicine. People give that to humans. That doesn't mean it. Everybody. Yeah, a lot of things are given to humans, and they have severe allergic reactions to and die." So just because someone justifies, oh, Wazine, that, they give that to the kids if they have uh, worms or, or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's great. So you don't think anybody on the planet's allergic to that or has had adverse reactions to that? That doesn't mean anything. So, um, but, but to stress as well, if you're using that medication, and, and, and basically, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, working with Sherrod, who, who kind of oversees the egg withdrawal periods and, and whatnot and, and, and the withdrawal time, is that... You can look at the label. If something does have an official egg withdrawal time on it, that egg withdrawal time is official and only applies to you using that medication exactly like it's told to do on that label. This amount, this frequency, this long, this delivery method, this, that, and the other for that animal. So it's, um, it's, it's really different if you... 
break away or, or change that in any way, then that equitrophin right. means means nothing. And so, that's, uh, that's just, the same for for other medications too. If you if you use something off label, it better be under the direction of a veterinarian. Because if mm-hmm. you make if you make a mistake and somebody gets sick and you were doing it on your own because you found something off the internet and it works for so and so yeah, you're going to get sued if that person feels strongly about and, and their I, illness. And I'll clarify that by the direction of veterinary uh, oversight, doesn't mean he has to administer it. He, you have to, he has, he's the one, again, that's going to tell you off-label use. He or she, yes, off-label use. Um, in fact, my vet from all my animals are a she. So, um, is, um, again, he will give you that information. It, the dose, how long to give it, how much to give it, the delivery method, and then he, even though there's not an official egg withdrawal period, if, if he or she says, uh, I would recommend waiting two weeks or three weeks, that's still not an official egg withdrawal period for you to go on the Internet and say, oh, this medication's egg withdrawal period is three weeks because I, my vet told me that. No, that's just his um, assumption, his guesswork, his recommendation for that. There's still not an official egg withdrawal period for maybe that medication. Right. That's but but again, it's the responsibility to fall on him because you've gotten veterinary uh, uh, oversight exactly. So so yeah, that I wanted to talk about that. The uh, if you medicate uh, your eggs and because um, people are like oh, I warm my eggs all the time and I don't eat, you know, I eat them even when I'm warming them and I'm fine. But your neighbor may have a high sensitivity to that. Um, so we covered the egg cartons. We covered that. Oh, and and I'm sure. That and I don't know if this would be at the federal level, Dr. McRae, or, or each state has their own uh, regulations for either selling your eggs right out of your house, out of your garage, out of your driveway, or a farmer's market. It may be different if you sell at a farmer's market or from your driveway. But um, wouldn't states uh, have their own rules for if you're going to sell your eggs uh, like like in, in Georgia? Yeah, every they state have is different. Egg- they have you have to have a candling license that you get. So a few hours on a Saturday afternoon, you go to the extension office and, and you take this egg candling class, and you have to candle every egg that you then sell at the farmers market if you're doing so. And so you have the, a certificate that says I attended this egg egg candling class at the the university extension office, whatever. Um, and so I know some states require that versus just here three bucks. Thank you very much. So, um, so you definitely stress to folks check and see if you have any uh, or what your state rules right. and regulations are. On, Let's say on, here on in that. Delaware, we have two categories: classified and unclassified. We can sell our eggs as unclassified, which means you don't have to size or candle mm-hmm. or grade your eggs. They mm-hmm. just have to be clean. Now, if you're going to Do sell as unclassified. Do they specify how you clean them? Because I know it's um, uh, illegal in most cases, for example, to submerge the eggs if you're doing a right. cleaning they process. They have to be visibly clean. Okay, got it, got it. So one of the things that you are there for, if you're not going to grade or size or candle your eggs, well, you don't get to use certain terms. So you can't put a sign out mm-hmm. at the end of your road that says fresh eggs. You can't use the word fresh because you can't verify that they're fresh. You didn't grade them. You didn't candle them. So you can say eggs for sale, but you can't say fresh eggs or nest run eggs or, um, you know, you know anything that in, implies that they've been graded or sized or that they're fresher. Uh, you can't say henery or fresh laid or new laid or anything like that. Interesting. 
So that's... I don't know. And that, and then, and then you cross the state border into Maryland, and there is no un- unclassified. Everything has to be graded mm-hmm. and candled and sized. So, well, you can, you don't have to sell. Uh, you have to follow the rules for your state. And so, if you've just moved into a new location, you got to look up the rules for your state mm-hmm. and follow those rules. And if you're not sure what the rules are, that's where your cooperative extension office does the work for you. You call your extension office and say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm looking at um, selling eggs locally. What are the rules for um, grading eggs?" And they should have somebody there or in the the neighboring county who can answer those questions. They, you may even have a state specialist that offers classes on that sort of thing. Awesome. Very cool. Anything else, Dr. McCray, you want to uh, didn't get to covering or anything else was on the outline for today regarding this topic? No, but I suspect a lot of questions will come at you later, so forward them to me, and I will happily address those. Awesome. I will do that. And uh, as always, thank you very much for joining us uh, uh, again. And always, thanks for this special 11 o'clock uh, time frame. We've got to get ready for, again, the big webinar tonight. So, uh, again, great show, great information. Thanks for joining us, Good and we'll see you back here. Webinar. Thank you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. That was poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., from Delaware State University. And that was a topic all about food safety and your eggs. Fascinating information, and there's a lot to think about. Uh, and uh, we just want to try to shed some uh, shed some light on that. As always, we'll be back right after this. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Come back. Come back. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. 
Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Great show with uh, Dr. McCray. We really appreciate her uh, coming on as uh, always. Our next broadcast, other than tonight, remember tonight's live educational webinar, absolutely free. Um, it's going to be an hour long from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's the first time we've done this in several years in the evening uh, due to popular demand uh, because people work during the day. So it just makes sense. Even though it is archived uh, for the entire year, people can go and, uh, and listen to it. That is not a problem. But um, we would love for you to attend tonight. Seating is limited. You can uh, participate in the webinar anywhere in the world from the comfort of your own home, on your laptop, uh, desktop. Uh, I'm not sure how well it would work on an iPhone or iPad, probably on a tablet. And you can register for free right now at Healthy Birds with an S, HealthyBirdsWebinar.com. You may want to add the www dot in front of that, www.HealthyBirdsWebinar.com. And uh, but I think it will just work if you do HealthyBirdsWebinar.com. And if you have problems with that, you can go over to our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer and uh, scroll down you'll see uh, it uh, you can click on that link and it'll take you right to the registration page uh, but it is free it's an hour long talking about uh, avian influenza talking about salmonella we're going to be talking about preparing for winter preparing for fall we'll talk talking about molting uh, talking a little bit about nutrition um, and so just to have a good overview for a lot of people if you've kept chickens for a long time if you're new at keeping backyard poultry I think it'll be a great thing for you to attend absolutely free. And I'll be joined by Dr. Megan Nichols uh, with the CDC and Dr. Joanna Quinn with the USDA. Um, and uh, Dr. Nichols, I know, has a doctor of veterinary medicine. She is a vet uh, as well as a master's degree in public health. And then I know um, Dr. Quinn is a doctor of veterinary medicine with the USDA, specifically poultry. And so uh, great information that will be uh, tonight. So we hope you can join us uh, tonight. Our next broadcast here on Blog Talk Radio will be this coming Monday um, at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that will be another great episode with Peter Brown. That's another great episode of Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. So, hey, we appreciate you tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, we'll see you next time. God bless everybody.